My name is Kelsang Namgyal. I'm an ordained Buddhist nun. I live here at Manjushri Centre, which is a Buddhist centre in the Lake District that has been running now and operating as a Buddhist centre for the past 25 years. We run a variety of different spiritual programs here, some for beginners, some for people who have committed their life to Buddhism. And there's a lay and ordained community of about a hundred people living here at the moment. I first got involved in Buddhism when I was living in Perth. I'm originally from Australia and I'd got to a point in my life where sort of externally I'd done nearly everything that I'd, I'd wanted to do but I still wasn't particularly happy or didn't feel my life was that meaningful. So bless me with the strength to practice the Bodhisattva's ordination. And I stumbled across a course on meditation. And within this course, they talked a lot about the, um, the principal Buddhist ideas that happiness and suffering come from inside you, not from outside you. So no matter how perfectly your life is arranged outside you, um, you, you still can feel unhappy if your mind is, is not sorted out. And not long after that, I came back to live in, in Britain and I found out about uh, the NKT and Geshe Kelsang's centres and I was living in London and I started going to one of the centres in London and I guess for what I was looking for, this, this seemed to have what I wanted and I felt like there was some connection. Geshe Kelsang is the spiritual director of the NKT. Uh, this means that for students of the NKT, he, he's their spiritual teacher or we say spiritual guide within the different types of uh, Tibetan Buddhism and many Buddhisms, one of the key elements is having one teacher that you follow. And it's perfectly fine at the beginning for people to look at many different traditions or many different teachers before they find a teacher that they feel comfortable with. But for a lot of people, and I think myself included, when I came across Geshe Kelsang's teachings and met Geshe Kelsang, I felt like there was, there was some connection. Oh, a living example of someone who has compassion, someone who has wisdom, someone who is actually able to help people and pull them out of their suffering. And for us in this way, when we say spiritual teacher, he is then like a role model as well. This is the type of person we're trying to become. And his role in that way is to inspire us because you meet someone like him with so much wisdom, so much compassion and so much effort to help others, then you think that this is what I can become, this is what I'd like to become. Hey, my name is Sandin Gatso, and many years ago I became interested in Buddhism because I felt dissatisfied, very dissatisfied with my ordinary way of life. I felt that uh, by becoming uh, a Buddhist, then um, I will be able to improve um, my compassion and be able to be a greater benefit to others. Yeah, Geshe Kaosang has given me my spiritual life. Um, I think due to his appearing in this world, 
then um, he certainly has given me hope uh, and I think he'll give he has given a lot of hope to others really to uh, be able to transcend ordinary life and find a genuine um, peace and happiness in, in life. I do think that's one of, one of his um, greatest gifts to us almost, is that he's presented Buddhism in a way that is completely relevant to our life. So in this way, the study programs are just invaluable because without understanding Buddha's teachings, we've actually got nothing to try to practice. And you know, sometimes people just sort of try to practice without understanding the teachings, and it, it just doesn't work. But if you really mix the two in the skillful way that Geshe Kelsing has with these study programs, it just has an enormously powerful influence in your mind. On an ideal day, I would go to a puja or a prayer at seven o'clock in the morning, and that's my tantric practice from seven till about nine o'clock in the morning. Then after that, there's a little bit of time for breakfast, and then I prepare for, I've got a study class from 11 till one o'clock, so I use from nine till 11 to try and do my study, and uh, because I'm not a very good student, I need all that time to study. Then we have lunch from one to two, and we always have a communal lunch uh, every day of the week. There, there's a lunch provided for everyone, so not everyone has it, but there's usually a lot of people that have lunch together. And then for myself, I'm the education program coordinator here. So I work through the afternoon. Uh, my job is to administer the spiritual program. So that means anything from finding out why people weren't at the classes that they're signed up for to uh, doing publicity to you know, all, all sorts of different things that are to do with the education side of the running of the centre. Negative this morning, but did she want one from the computer? In the evening, there's either a class or a puja, which I try to go to as well. foundation program class we we begin all classes and actually all pujas with prostrations and this these prostrations are like a sign of respect to the teacher the previous teaching teachers and, and all the teachings and we, we we do this with all the classes always begin with with prostrations as a sign of respect we then begin with prayers uh, the actual class everyone sits down and does the prayers and the prayers are to help us generate particular minds, like minds of love, minds of compassion, so to set our motivation in, in a way that they're ready to do the meditation and to, do the, to listen to the teachings. Then we go into a meditation and in a class like foundation program we always meditate on something that we've studied in the previous class. 
This is so that we are taught something, we discuss it, and then we spend some time actually contemplating that to make it a bit firmer and a bit clearer in our mind. From there we go on to the actual teaching. So in the class this morning, um, teaching from Geshe Kelsang's book, Meaningful to Behold. There are certain mental actions, however, that are not directed outwardly, but instead affect the perpetrator directly. Such mental actions fall into the group known as holding on to wrong and perverted views and constitute the heaviest and most damaging of all unskillful actions. And Gesha said, um, we, we don't have to wait a long time to understand the, the, the effect negative actions have on our mind. It may be the full effect will come in a future life or later in this life, but immediately we have a mind of anger, we know. Um, it destroys any, any joy that's in our mind, any good feeling that we're experiencing. Then from the teaching we go into discussion so that again people can recall the text, try to remember what they've actually been studying because one of the biggest challenges, we read it, we think that's great and then someone says, what did you study and we've completely forgotten. So we do try to recall or remember the text and then discuss relevant points that we've got, but in a way that makes it practical, that it's not just intellectual. Creating good causes, that's all we can do. I think that's change it. So what we're doing is, is putting like positive back into the negative, aren't we? And that's a very positive thing, isn't it? When non-virtue is actually ripening, it actually helps to um, the non-virtue to ripen, but you can step back from it. And it can be I don't know how to separate those two, because right now, if I get emotional about something, I get emotional, you know. At the end of the class, um, we come together, decide a conclusion for what we meditate on the next morning, and then just finish by by some sort of dedication. Suffering go in abeyance. So this is the Manjushri Centre shop. In the shop we sell a lot of different statues and Buddhist pictures. These pictures and statues are mainly for practitioners to put on their personal shrines in their own rooms. And these, these pictures and statues just serve to remind them of the good qualities of the Buddhas. We also sell the full range of Geshe Kelsang's books and also some sadhanas or some prayers that, that people can take away and do either at the centre or at home. We only sell Geshe Kelsang's books because within, within this tradition, within Tibetan traditions, we just follow one teacher and one spiritual guide. So in that way, we encourage people to be buying the books of, of our teacher. But obviously, we're very happy if people have their own spiritual path and buy uh, the books of, of their, their own teacher. Furthermore, we need not wait until a future life to experience the The women within the NKT are very strong and very powerful, and there's no hesitation to give them leadership roles or organisations roles and often there is this sense if you are a strong woman or, or any woman has to hide certain characteristics I think to get along because strong women sometimes make make other people around them feel a little bit uncomfortable but within this tradition that strength is actually encouraged because it can be used to benefit and help others so yeah it is a very nice feeling to be in a in an organization that is so supportive of uh, of equality and I, I'm sure the monks and the laymen feel the same for them, that they're, they're able to just be who they are and there's no pressure on them. So, yeah, it's quite a delight, actually, to be in, in that position. We have 95 residents here, and each of them, apart from a few who are sponsored by the centre, pay rent every month to the centre. So we, we get uh, a lot of income from that. 
um, and that because we're a charity obviously that that then gets ploughed back into the um, the center in the uh, in the main building we have three meditation rooms uh, one of them at the moment is currently being redecorated this is our, our tantric meditation room or our vajragini room at the moment you can see it's very beautiful uh, with with all the gold leafing but when it's finished it, it should look really fantastic Manjushri Centre is actually full at the moment. Uh, there, there's there's a, quite, a, quite a waiting list for people wanting to move in. There's quite a mixture. We've got a couple of families living here. There, I think, are about 30 ordained people living here. And then a lot of um, couples and lay people living here. Many, many people work outside the centre. A lot of people work as carers, but we've got architects, business people as well who, who are here. Many people do their work at the centre. So there's, there's quite a variety of, of things going on. We've got one main building where people live a little bit more communally and then we've got cottages with sometimes couples living there or families living in them. I think the main thing for us was that as, as a family um, wanting to study, wanting to attend pujas, wanting to bring your children up in a Buddhist environment, actually you know, living in the centre allows you to do that in a way that you can't do if you don't actually live in the centre. I couldn't possibly manage family life without Buddhist teachings because I just don't think I would do it very well. I mean, however well I do it now, I do it because there's some sort of like Dharma teaching, you know, sort of like, like going through it that always helps me to try and find the positive solution. One thing I've learned over the years is that balance between formal practice, sitting on a meditation cushion, and you know, taking those opportunities that a family life offers you to put the practices into operation, into effect, you know. So maybe you won't spend as long as you'd like on your cushion, but you, 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 you get an opportunity to try and practice patience and try and practice you know, giving to your kids um, all day long. And there's, there's nothing like children to, <laughs> to draw that out of you. So. You know, if, if opportunities to practice be the, the food of your spiritual training, then, then we're full up. <laughs> we do have a few people living here who are artists. Currently we have people making plaques that will be going to the temple in New York when it's finished. We also have people here who can do tanker paintings and, um, and painting Buddhist statues. So that, that's very helpful because it means that we have people here that we're able to draw on to help create the shrines and the different environments that we use to practice and study in. In all Buddhist shrines we always put offerings to the Buddhas and we try to really uh, think that they are actually there in front of us, that this isn't just a statue or this isn't just a, put a, uh, a picture but it is the actual living Buddha in front of us and then we make offerings to them. And these can look a little bit strange but in some ways it's just like if you have a special guest coming to your house you often will put out special flowers for them, you'll get them special food and drink and in the same way we think if the Buddhas are going to come into our temple or into our room wherever our shrine is we put out very special things for them to, to welcome them into our, our room, welcome them into our place and create a very special environment for them to be in. Thank you.